Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on The Porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I'm joined with the one and only J.D. Rogers. Yes, J.D. for John David. That's me. Wow. (laughs) Thanks for spelling that out. And Mrs. Laura Webb Eldridge. Hey, y'all. How's everyone doing? Pretty good. It's been a good day. I love Mondays. Dude, the weather is great here Mm -hmm. in Dallas. Can't ask for much more than that. Thanksgiving next week. Thanksgiving. That's that, no, in two weeks. No? This week. No. No, it's not this week. I think By the time we were. Yeah, we but when they're released, it'll be the week after. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this week. Come on, man. This is uh, coming to you at Thanksgiving week. Mm hmm. No. I think so. We have one for next week. All right. No, we don't. We don't know when this will be released, but happy Thanksgiving. Regardless, what are we talking about today? Listen, I'm really excited to get to steal this from you, JD. Mm-hmm. Today, we are talking about why am I still single, mm. David? Why? I feel like you have a lot to say. and um, So much to say. JD's probably asking the question himself, so there's nope. that. Um, but on the reels, I get this question a lot, and I feel like you guys do too. Mm-hmm. So many people, whether they're in their young 20s or even later 20s, are freaking out, wondering what's happening, why am I still single? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of fundamental misunderstandings about even the topic of singleness, the purpose of marriage, the uh, season of singleness for most people. So statistically, between 80 and 90% of people will get married. 75% of people get married by the age 35. So 80% of people get married by the age of 40. So the odds, if you're listening to this podcast, that you're going to get married in the next decade are really, really good. If you have an 80 to 90% chance of getting married, that is a strong likelihood. And so, all the girls said, amen. All the girls and all the guys. There's plenty. Sometimes we hate on the guys. And I feel like guys just as much have a, a desire to meet someone, to make it work. And for the number of emails we get about girls saying, hey, no one's asking out. Can I initiate? There's, there's a large number of emails we get from guys saying, hey, I, I feel like I keep trying, keep getting shut down. Why does this not seem to be working? So first would be understanding a high level, what is the purpose of singleness according to the Bible? You guys have a thought? Do you want me to, I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah come yeah. on. First Corinthians 7, Paul would say that singleness is a time for undistracted devotion to the Lord. Boom. Which means... Which means what? What do you mean? Like what? Is, you get to, what oh, like practically speaking. Yeah. Like, or yeah what, what is Paul trying to say? Like he's basically saying, "Hey, the more you add to your plate, the less you get to to, to have with God." And so, yeah. uh, the married people they have to they have to also commit their time to their wife, mm-hmm. to their children, um, or their husband and their children, and they have to commit they have to give their attention to a lot of other things and serve God. Where a single person, it's like, nope, just me and you. I get to live my life completely devoted and all my attention and time for God. Paul even says, you know, you should be, you should desire that like me. Like, I mean, I wish all of you were single like I'm single. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so funny is we, what Paul sees as the greatest blessing, we see as a curse. Mm -hmm. And I think that it it requires a deep shifting of perspective for a lot of people. Yeah. So statistically, most people are single for a season. The Bible tells us that we're single for a reason. And you just said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, Paul lays out, that in the season of singleness, it's an opportunity for you to have undivided devotion to the Lord. 
In other words, this is a season for you to grow in your faith. It's a season where you don't have kids waking you up early in the middle of the night. You can wake up and spend time with God and his word and in prayer. You can grow in your uh, ability to just understand scripture. You can go serve in ways that, candidly, J.D., you're more free right now than I am to immediately pick up. And if a tsunami hits uh, New Orleans, a tsunami or a hurricane hits New Orleans and, you know, go and provide relief, share the gospel, you have a freedom to go do that in a way that I don't. There's mm-hmm. all types of opportunities that Paul says are a part of singleness. And he doesn't see it as anything second best. If anything, I think there's a case that Paul would say earlier in the chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, where he's writing about the topic of marriage and singleness and, and all the stuff that we're talking about right now, where he says, I wish everybody was single like me. In other words, if I could draw my team, line everybody up, and I'm picking who's going to be on my team, I want to pick as many single people as possible because they have the superpower. They're like an army of super or have the potential to be super followers of Jesus and that they can be fully devoted to the Lord. They can use their time. They can use their gifts. They can use their energy to make an impact for God's kingdom like no other group. So if you're listening, statistically, it is likely that you will be single for a season. Biblically, you are single for a reason, and that is for you to use this season of life to grow in your faith, to grow in your character, to become more and more of a man of God or a woman of God. So that would be a high level just understanding even of singleness and the purpose of it and biblically. And uh, and so the question I would ask is, how are you taking advantage of this season? If that's true, if in the next decade you're likely going to get married, and this is a season that you won't have forever, are you using it to grow and your knowledge of God's word to go on your faith, to serve the body of Christ, and to make an impact for this kingdom. Here's where I'm going to push back, because you do get a little bit of freedom, like in being married, in a sense of like, you can walk into a room and you're not necessarily looking at everyone and thinking, well, you're not at all. You shouldn't be if you're married. Thinking like, ooh, is 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 it going to be here? Am I going to meet that person here? What about that person? Oh, he just talked to me. Do I like him? Oh, she just smiled at me. Does she like me? Should I ask her out? So there's almost, it feels like there could be a lot more emotional, mental capacity once you just have it locked in. Like, this is my person. Now I can focus on other things. So what would you say about that? I think that's why Paul's word is really timely and, and perfect because One thing that singleness can do is if you let it be the defining characteristic of your life, if it becomes all that you think about, Mm. it robs your ability to be undistracted devotion from the Lord. Because you do walk into places and you're not thinking, oh man, there's people around here that I can serve. And Mm. you're you're not being operated under the spirit and and over or able to um, see as God sees in that moment, you're distracted by, oh my gosh, look at her. She's under a mask. I wonder what she looks like underneath that mask. <laughs> and I wonder if she's single. And do I see a ring on her finger? And you're you're going through all the tapes in your head. So I still think there is, you could be single and not being taking advantage of this season and not being undistracted in your devotion to the Lord. And so uh, for the person who feels called to marriage someday, I would still say this is a season of life you're not going to have back. You don't get your 20s back. You don't get 23 back, 24 back, 25 back, 26 back, all the way through. How are you using it to grow in your knowledge, to grow in your faith? That's going to be the foundation on which any future marriage that you're going to have is going to be built. So how are you using it right now in this season? You will never have, and, and people push back on this, and I think, man, that you just have no idea when they do. You'll never have as much discretionary time um, for some, for a lot of people, as much discretionary income in terms of, hey, when it comes to what do I spend my money on? I get to decide everything. 
There may come a day if you get married, if you have kids, where you're not feeding one mouth, you're going to feed four mouths or five mouths or six mouths. And so in terms of like, oh, what do I spend that money on? Like at Christmas, we, for um, every once in a while, we'll have like a Christmas bonus where every person on staff will get to go spend like $50 or $100 to and bring a gift and it's part of the Christmas party. When it comes to how married people and families think about that, and I'm using this as an illustration for just time, life in general. Um, when that happens for me, it's like, all right, I'm going to buy Legos. I'm going to buy, you know, a doll. I'm going to think through how to use this to wrap up presents. And then I have single friends who are like, oh, dude, I'm going to buy these new shoes or I'm going to buy this new jacket. And it's like, that doesn't even happen. In the same way, that's an illustration for, I think, this is a unique time in life where you can devote it to growing your faith. It's the best investment that you can make is being someone who for the rest of your life, when you're a parent, when you're a husband or you're a wife, you're gonna draw on the knowledge of God's word and the man and the husband and wife you were becoming way before you ever met your spouse. So you're single for a season statistically and you're seasoned for a reason biblically. And that reason is to grow in your relationship with God. That's good. I'm talking to you, JD. <laughs> I, I... You know, I think this is funny because I, I think when you're doing things for the Lord mm -hmm. and you are serving him, you're serving the church, you're discipling people, you're meeting with your community group, or you're doing different things, you're reading your Bible more, you're listening to Christian music, you're stopping doing the bad things that you once were doing, you begin doing that journey. It's like, yeah, this is really fun. I'm really liking this. And no one is complaining really about singleness, I think, in those moments when they're around their friends, when they're, when they feel good about their purpose and their life and they're like pursuing Christ. But it's when you're alone on New Year's Eve mm -hmm. and all your friends are kissing someone around you. Mm -hmm. It's when all your couple friends, uh, when you're all hanging out, like section off for a moment and you realize, ah, I'm the fifth wheel right now. Or yeah. um, it's when you're laying in your bed at night and all of your insecurities and hangups and all the different mistakes or, you know, holidays or whatever it might be, you feel this like overwhelming sense of loneliness. And that's where in comparison and the next engagement post, all those different things, that's where people are going, Hey, like I'm, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I see the opportunity, but sometimes, you know, I just can't be, it's not always like that as a single person doesn't mean I'm just always on fire for God, always reading my Bible, always praying, always serving, always discipling. Like sometimes like the hard moments come. And I think what you can hear when you compare yourself is like, so David, for you guys, like just because you're married doesn't mean that you are supposed to stop reading your Bible and devoting yourself to the Lord, totally. right? Totally. So like the only difference is, is when the hard things come, you have a sidekick. You have a person next to you mm -hmm. that you can cry with, laugh with, distract yourself with. When you're just not feeling it spiritually, they're there with you. Yep. And so... What is that person in their singleness? What's the, what, what would Paul say for them to do mm -hmm. when, and I'm really trying, but it doesn't neglect the fact that there are deep, intense feelings of loneliness and I'm behind and I'm missing out and that life is moving on, my friends are moving on and I'm still stuck here all alone. Yeah, so you're asking, hey, what do I do in those moments? Yeah, because like I think there are people who are like, man, I am doing all that stuff, but it doesn't negate the fact that this is still taking place and this is really hard. Is it bad that it's hard? Yeah. Is it bad that when I'm laying in bed at night alone and just want someone next to me, like, what do I do? Am I supposed to just like trust God? Am I supposed to yeah. just devote myself? Oh, well, that's what Paul would say. Just devote yourself to the Lord. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, man, I'm a human. Like sometimes I just, 
I, I don't feel like it or, yeah. you know, cause that's what married people aren't yeah. always just devoting themselves to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, but then I, like I'm saying, they have a partner next to them in those hard times where yeah. the, reading the Bible isn't as fun. Yeah. And it really does feel like it comes in waves. Like all the people who are dating in college, they graduate and then all of a sudden they all get married. And if you're, you weren't dating in college, you're not getting married right after college, typically. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, four or five years later, there's a whole nother wave. You already made new friends and then they're all getting married. Yeah. So, so the temptation to be lonely and just, it's a good desire, right? To yeah. want that? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think what you're asking or what you're piggybacking off of was JD saying, hey, in those moments, is it wrong that I do feel like lonely? I wish that I had somebody that could consult with. Here's the tension that I feel as if someone who's married. Marriage is amazing. It's a gift. Singleness is also a gift. Both of those things biblically are true. Neither is second best, and both of them are a gift that God gives each for a purpose to use that gift. I think that um, we know, and I know you know this, it's possible to live a relationally fulfilled life and not be married. If it wasn't, then Jesus did not live a relationally fulfilled life. While at the same time, uh, it's, is it a wrong thing to desire to be married? No. Is it a wrong thing to desire that I, I wish I had a spouse that I could process this stuff through with right now? Is that bad? No. But you're in a season where if you're not married, you need to have deep relationships with other believers and types of relationships that, as the Proverbs say, they stick closer than a brother. They're the ones that are there to talk with, cry with, pray with, hang out with, be around, and, um, and to be an encouragement in your life. Marriage is not ultimately going to fill every single relational aspect of your life. It won't perfectly do that. It won't always consistently do that. And it certainly won't entirely do that. That anybody who's married knows that, oh yeah, um, it's a little bit like this. This is an illustration. When people ask me about going to seminary and I talk about, hey, I went to seminary and I went there and I thought like, oh man, I'm gonna learn. Seminary is like Bible. It's like you get a master's in Bible basically. And, uh, and you go there and I thought, man, I'm going to learn all the answer questions. I'm going to know everything that I don't know. And, um, really what seminary does is it shows you the borders of the ocean and just tells you how much you really don't know. You don't know. In other words, you haven't studied, if you will, a ship that goes through every different part of the ocean. You're just able to go like, wow, we don't know so much stuff. It exposes that it doesn't fulfill all the knowledge that you wish you had in the same way, marriage doesn't fulfill all the relational holes. It may answer the question that marriage, that's the one benefit of being married is you know that all the relational parts of your heart and loneliness and things that you can feel are not gonna be solved by marriage. That is the one benefit that um, marriage brings is that you realize, oh, this person will not satisfy me, won't fulfill all my wants, won't fulfill all my needs. And when you're single, no matter how hard you try to believe that, it's really tempting to think, yeah, but they, they'll probably give me, you know, pretty far down the field and they'll probably fill most of it. And I do think at the same time, marriage is such a gift in this season. You can have deep real relationships with people who, when you're in the midst of a hard, challenging situation, you run to them, they care for you. And the best way to have those types of friends is to be that type of friend to other people around you. So, um, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think all those feelings are valid, JD. Yeah. I, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. First thing I want to say is, uh, I have heard from single people, like hearing from married people say this to us. It's like, it can almost become like, man, if singleness is so great and marriage can't, you know, do all those things and all yada yada, 
then why did you get married? <laughs> why didn't you stay single? If it's so glamorous, why are you married? Yeah. And that's just, I mean, I mean, I, not the, the worst question ever. Uh, but then secondly, I would say, if we're going to take the text literally, mm-hmm. okay, hot take, we're all adults here. Come on, let's okay? go. Yeah, let's so go. You're, you're telling me relationally, the void there, yep. it's not going to fulfill it. Marriage won't. Yep. Spiritually, you got to figure that out in your singleness. It's not going to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about physically. Because mm. there is a void there that I think that marriage can fill, that singleness cannot fill. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're honoring the Lord in your body. Mm-hmm. So, Paul says, uh, you know, unless you have passions, uncontrollable passions, talking about sexual urges and yep. desires, yep. Yep. it is better for you to get married. Yep. So, most, I don't know the statistics, but most young adults would be like, Ding, ding, ding. That's me. <laughs> I struggle with pornography. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I want a man to please me. I want different things. Yep. I have sexual desires. Therefore, biblically, I should get married. Yeah. Mm. Like, I should get married because I have sexual desires. Yep. Um, first off, do you think Paul, since he remained single, did not have a sex drive? Uh, That's a hot take opinion there. Yeah. Yeah, so what did you learn in seminary, David? There's a lot of uh, conjecture around whether he was single his entire life. He may have been a widow. So a lot of people believe, hey, for him to be a rabbi, and he was clearly later in life, probably in his 60s when he wrote this letter, there's a decent chance he was a widow. Mm. Um, the average life expectancy was much lower than it was today, or than it is today. So was he single his entire life or was he not? I think he, what he's saying, so let's read the text. So Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 7, dude, this is such a good text. We're just going to read all the way through it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Paul writes, and he's talking about marriage, talking about sexuality, and he writes this. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, so he's responding to a letter that church in Corinth wrote to him, where they wrote, it's quote, good to not, for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. Because of the temptation, so Paul's gonna write, no, 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 that's not accurate. You guys wrote and said, hey, it's good to not have sex with a woman, right? Like they were going to have sex with a prostitute, they weren't having sex with their wives, they had all kinds of messed up stuff. And Paul writes back and he's like, no, because temptation for sexual immorality is high, each man should have his own wife and a woman should have her own husband. The husband should give her, uh, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal or sexual rights, likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not a command. I wish everybody was single like me, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift of singleness. Another has that gift. Now to the unmarried and widows, I say it's good for them to remain unmarried, but if they cannot control themselves or if they burn with passion, as another translation, which you quoted, says, then they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So can marriage uh, fulfill sexually a sex drive and a burning with passion or is part of um, the gift of marriage in your life that it provides a battle or a weapon against sexual temptation? Yes, that's what Paul just said. Does that answer the question? Totally. I also hear that one of the first defenses for marriage is if you think this marriage would be full of crazy hot sex all the time, you got it wrong. Sex, you know, it just all your expectations, something out the door. It's not like that, especially when kids come in the picture and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then why is Paul putting so much emphasis on one of the main backings for why you should get married Married is if you need to have sex? Uh, I think part of the, the gift of sex, biblically, 
has always been to take place in the context of marriage. And it, it has multiple purposes. It's a part of procreation. It's a part of pleasure. It's a part of bonding together. So I don't think if you hear married people saying, hey, it's just going to be nonstop. Or if you hear married people in the response to people saying, hey, it's nonstop sex all the time. Um, and they're like, hey, it's not that way. Once you like have kids, body changes, all of that, that's still true. But God has given the gift of sexuality to be experienced and enjoyed in the context of marriage together. Can you live a sexually fulfilled life outside of marriage and not sin? (laughs) (laughs) Sadie, does that feel like a trap? Because he's for sure not asking me that. The answer is no. (laughs) Uh, I think it depends on what you mean by sexually fulfilled. Totally. And I'm going to just assume that you, I mean, if if you ain't getting any sexually anything then it's not sexually <laughs> hold on if you ain't getting any sexually anything, <laughs> anything. then you, nothing there's nothing there to be fulfilled like there nothing's getting fulfilled i don't know the answer i i think though here's be my hot take i think the fact that marriage is happening later in life people stay single on average till the age of 30 and 29 that's the average which means there's a lot of people above that there's there's plenty of people below that but the average uh, three decades ago the average person got married at 22 and 23 or 24 and 23. I think the farther you push this back, there's a reason why um, when you look in olden times, people got married earlier and earlier because that hormones hit at like 17. So in biblical times where people are getting married at 17 and 18 years old, it's like, man, that makes a ton of sense. So I would encourage people if they feel like, hey, I haven't been called to singleness to begin to ask the questions uh, further. This is the most real that we could get. What are the things that are keeping me from dating someone what are maybe the personal problems or the character problems that, that may end up leading to a breakup? Um, what are the just things that may not, uh, are my standards for who I'm attracted to and what I'm attracted to biblical and are they right? And ask if they sincerely want to get married, because you can go get married tomorrow. You lower your standards you know, low enough, but biblically you and I are called, and by that I mean like character wise, I'm, I'm not saying physically, you and I are called to prioritize somebody's character. So if a person feels called towards marriage, and a lot of people are, um, or it seems like a lot of people are, then I would begin to ask the question like, why are you still single? And for you to reflect on, are my standards too high? Maybe I uh, have been finishing up school and I postponed and I haven't wanted to get married and I put it on pause. And now I'm looking around and I feel like, you know, everybody has found their partner to two-step in dating with or in marriage with, and I haven't found my person and begin to ask the question, am I putting myself around godly potential partners and the church environment that I'm plugged into, the friend groups that I run in, like what are the things that I can do to put myself in a position of potentially getting married and trust God with his timing and use this season really well? Okay, that's the goal, David, because I think people truly are asking, like, is there something I'm doing wrong or something that I should be doing? And I'm kind of confused between just trust God, like, yeah. you know, God's got it, God's sovereign. And that's true, Proverbs 21, 1, he turns the hearts of kings, like yeah. he is sovereign. And, um, hey, no, there are things, there are character things that are turning godly guys or girls away from you and or you can't just expect to sit at home every Friday and Saturday night and not, you know, seek out godly friends and then think you're going to Prince Charming or Miss Perfect is going to show up on your doorstep. So what are some other things that anybody listening can take an assessment and actually think, hey, what, what are some reasons outside of God's sovereignty 
and God has a plan that I can truly take a look at myself and say, here are reasons people might not be saying yes to my date asks or that I might not be getting asked out. Okay. We're going to go as real as we can. JD, I'm putting you on the spot, not on blast. Why are you still single? (laughs) 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 Um, I'm still single. Gosh, David. Yeah, come on, man. Give the people what they want. Uh, no, I'm, I'm being serious, though, because I, I think yeah. there's legit reasons that that connect to other people's stories. Like, it's we try to make it so binary and it's black and white, but why would you say, hey, this is why I'm single? Can he phone a friend? <laughs> nope. I, I would say, I, I would say it's a few reasons. Okay. Uh, it's probably, vulnerably speaking, there probably is some standards that are too high. Okay. You don't want to know why? Why? Because I feel like I have lived my life in such a way that I'm doing my very best to give myself to someone at a level 10 of character and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes I expect the woman to live a life like I live. Yep. Okay. Because I feel like I'm doing it for her. I'm putting in the hard work for the right heart work for her. So just spiritual standards are too high? I would say like spiritual character, like, but the hard thing is you can't really, you can't sniff you can, but like you have to get to know someone mm-hmm. to, to really find that out because a lot of people act like a 10 on the outside in those two things, but that's just not true the closer you get. Sure, yeah. I think so that's one thing. Okay. So um, another thing I would say because most girls that I feel like are available mm-hmm. are too available. Like they're too thirsty in a way that like, and, and what I mean by that is I know. This is good. This uh, is the gold. Um, <laughs> what I mean is if she's truly stewarding, stewarding her singleness, mm-hmm. she doesn't really have, ah, this is such a hot take. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, y'all. No, come on, come on, come on. Like yeah, she doesn't it. have time. She's so devoted to the Lord. How is she so like all the girls that I'm talking about specifically are like so available, like so free so like wanting it so bad mm-hmm. and it's almost like i've always said like it should be like that movie scene where both have their head down walking with their books and they run into each other and all the books go flying yeah and it's, it's like beauty and the beast yeah <laughs> well, sure it's like that's how i want it to be yeah. like she was she was just doing her thing and one day boom wasn't expecting this but bam there they are where i feel like a lot of times it's not like that it's like was totally expecting this because i was really wanting it and i was looking for it everywhere and yeah. And it, it just it, it makes it feel so intense so yeah. quickly. So, do you think that's biblical? Do you think your your um, preference for wanting somebody who is uh, not disclosed blatantly that she is single and ready to mingle? Do you think that's biblical or just your preference? I feel like when I read about the call of singleness, I'm not saying that the desire to be married is bad. Mm-hmm. I'm saying when the desire to be married is idolized or greater than the desire to know God and make him known, it is not attractive. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking for a girl who is first and foremost desiring to know God and make him known with her entire being as an individual apart from a man Mm -hmm. who also would love to be married if God wants that for her. Mm -hmm. What I find a lot of times is their identity is wrapped up in, will I be married? Mm -hmm. Oh, and in my marriage, we can love God and make him known together. So it's just like neither one, it's like both those things are good things. A desire to know God, make him known and be married. It's when the be married thing 
is like set as a priority over knowing God and making him known. Yeah. That's where I, so I feel like that's biblical, but I'm not going to say. And uh, maybe. Uh, so Daddy's not the Bible. Okay. Uh, any other two or any other ones? All right. So this thing, <laughs> say spiritual standards takes a while to get to know and I hold them maybe too high. And then. Um, girls be thirsty. And girls be thirsty. But that makes it sound like I'm like, yeah, girls want no, me. No, here's so the thing. Thirsty. Okay. No, here, I'm going to speak to all my girls right now because here's the thing. Um, guys can like, it, I feel like it can add pressure to guys where it feels like you're holding them to us to like, you're looking to them to kind of save you in some sense. Mm. I feel like guys can kind of sniff that out and feel like, no, that's a lot of pressure. It's too much too quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Lastly, if I'm being completely honest, please. Um, I look at some of my married friends' lives and I feel like spiritually they lost zeal for the Lord mm-hmm. post-marriage. Mm-hmm. And that whole distraction thing and having to give their attention elsewhere yep. resulted in a lack of mission mm-hmm. and resulted in a lack of purpose as a son and daughter of God. Mm-hmm. And I have a fear that a woman in a marriage is going to take me away from getting to run hard after Jesus. Yeah, it depends on what you mean. I mean, I think that's valid. And, uh, and sometimes that can be, uh, sometimes people get married and man, they just like put their faith on the shelf. Other times people get married and as Paul warns about, Hey, you're going to have to focus on what she cares about right. versus solely what the Lord thinks about. And so it's that pressure of like, I know it's going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. I know my life is going to change mm-hmm. for the Lord. She will become such a priority to me. Is she worth that? Yeah. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I know that's not necessarily, that's, you know, that's not right mm-hmm. to a degree, but it's there. Yeah, I think it's fair. All you right, asked. so to people, no, I th- hey, way to go. Those are good. good. To people who, who would be the thing I think I would wrap up. The questions I would reflect on as it relates to why I'm still single. Number one, the Bible says, hey, you're single to use this season well to secure undivided devotion. But the questions I would ask you beyond that of like, yeah, okay, I'm using it really well, but why am I still single? Would be, am I looking in the right places? And am I looking for the right things? Good. Am I looking in the right places? As in like, am I looking at the bar? Am I looking on Tinder? Am I connected to a local church? I'm a part of a a ministry and I'm around other young people just like me where I potentially may bump into carrying my books that one day (laughs) and we both fall over and starstruck (laughs) lovers. That doesn't exist. But am I looking in the right place? And then am I looking for the right things? And I think everybody can audit and evaluate Oh man, I'm looking for a, uh, anytime I downshift into these physical characteristics, likely I'm not prioritizing the things that God says, 1 Samuel chapter 16, hey, God looks not at the outward things, but the inward things of the heart. Those are the things that matter. And if you want to find what ultimately is going to matter in your marriage and life and future, look for the things that God says matter most, which is someone's inward character, their faith, their love for Jesus. So am I looking, is any of the things that I add to that list, whether they be physical characteristics, or I just want her to be, you know, a huge Cowboys fan, anything that I add to the list, if they take precedent or priority over the things that God says matter most, I'm looking for the wrong things. And you may be looking in the wrong place, and if you're in Dallas, man, I would come get connected at the porch, get around other believers, and who knows what God has for you, but you're single in this season, so use it well. Yep. I want to just say, I'm not, I did not, call, I'm not calling myself, if I said it, I'm, I want to take it back. If I call myself a 10 spiritually. Oh, you did. You, I, I say, <laughs> I've got I'm, it on the des- recording. I'm desiring to be a 10, and I don't. I don't, no one's perfect. No, come on. And no, then lastly, yeah. I want to say this too. You little Pharisee. You. I think, that, <laughs> I think they're um, really quickly. Uh, one more thing I left out because I was kind of insecure and I didn't want to say it. Okay. Two girls I've taken on dates. They tell me when 
they ended it that I had they never been pursued better that I was like everything they could want as a spiritual leader they couldn't get there romantically mm-hmm. and that just is really confusing when you hear like pastors preach find the godliest person find this find that and you feel like they called out everything that you're getting counsel to look for mm-hmm. and then it's like what does romantically even mean that's so vague totally. you know there's so many things there and so I'd say to guys and girls yeah. it's just and I have to do this to myself uh, constantly heart checking and and asking like I have to I mean I just have to constantly watch my flesh and what I'm actually desiring when um, is this person for me mm-hmm. um, or is is it so we could honor or suit each other in our relationship with the Lord together yeah it's good and yeah. because we mentioned the girl who's a little bit more eager um, there's also another end of the spectrum that of the girl who is completely unavailable and who won't let herself be known. And to that person, it's like heal and guys as well. But Ecclesiastes says, avoid all extremes. So it's like, I think in all this stuff, it's use wisdom principles. There are scriptures in the Bible that say, uh, you know, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. And it's like, okay, there's application. Like don't be all up in their girl all the time. Yeah. There's a middle ground because guys are, uh, girls, who like give off no vibe at all. Like, yeah. guys, guys are dumb. So yeah. if, if you're like expecting, oh, he's going to pick that up, he probably won't be picking that up. Right. Yeah, um, like the chase. He'll like the chase. Yeah. But what, guys huh? are not dumb. Guys are just not as like, huh, yeah. Oh, I never would have known that. So anyways, hey, that's all I got. Hey, you're using your singing us well, bro. I'm, I'm proud I'm of you, JD. <laughs> really? Thanks, I'm guys. proud of you. And everyone out there listening who's using their singing us well yeah. and, uh, and following God and using it to secure undivided, undistracted devotion to the Lord. So uh, that's all I got. Anything else? Nope. All right. We'll see you next week in another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the Porch ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.